All right, welcome to Teaching Others Also. It is uh, Friday morning, February 11th, 2022. And we've uh, just done our daily radio broadcast that we try to do Monday through Friday. And we d we're doing it on Fishing for Souls. But today, I also want to take a little while and at least start on this subject of why. Why? <coughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, I'd like to preface it with this. Uh, I can remember, and my grandmother told me, bless her memory, she's in heaven now, praise the Lord. She got in got in with the Lord after we all did, and God used uh, prayer and all that to get her saved too. And I'm sure much of it is owed to my uncle who prayed for each of us by name for 12 years. 12 years he prayed for us on a daily prayer list each and every one of us, and those of us he prayed for, uh, got in. I got to meet him. I only got to see him once. I got to meet him when my grandfather on my mama's side was passing, and we had a good old time of talking. Why? She said to me once, she said, you about drove me crazy growing up. I said, why? She said, when you were from the youngest time, almost from when you could talk, your favorite word was Why? And she said, I'd give you a reason, and you'd ask, why again? <laughs> well, why is that then, and why is that? And I don't know about you, but frequently, I'll ask myself, why? About everything. Why am I doing it? Doing this? Why am I doing it this way? That's not to question believing my Bible. I don't go, why do I believe the Bible? However, many times I'll sit down and say, okay, if someone said, why do you believe the Bible, and why do you believe the King James Bible, it's good for you to review that. Because it's not that you're going to quit believing it, although some people might be tempted or whatever or tricked. It's not that. It's that other people need to know why. If you will, go to Second Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2. Actually, go to Acts 20, please. Acts 20. Let's, let's go all the way to Acts 20. And I will probably break this over a couple sessions because I this is something that that has always helped me. Uh, you know, when you look back on your life, like I'm there in 67, so I look back on my life. There's there's times you go, you know, did it count for anything? And you won't know till you get to heaven. And honestly, it's probably not safe to even try to figure it out. I'm always reminded of what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4 when he said, I, I judge nothing before the time. And he said, I don't even judge my own self as in try to figure out if it matters. But go with me to Acts chapter 20 for a minute. And you will remember Acts chapter 20. Part of it is about when Paul <coughs> brings together these uh, elders of the church. And the Bible says in Acts 20, 17, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. This is the church at large. This is not just one single church. And this, these are people, men, who would go out and do all kind of things in the years to come. And so he sent to Ephesus and he called them. And he'd had a great, great influence over these people at Ephesus. And he starts telling them and reminding them about his relationship to himself. Because he says, I'm not going to see you again. For example, he says in verse 18 of Acts chapter 20. 
And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I've been with you at all seasons. Now, I'm sure you probably do the same thing. I think of the fact that he says at all seasons, and he wrote to Timothy, and he said, Preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. That is, when it's easy, when it feels right, when it feels good, and when it doesn't. That's one of the, re one of the parts of why. Why? He goes on through this and he says what all he did. He taught them publicly in house to house, verse 20. That's not knocking on doors, by the way. Nothing wrong with knocking on doors. That's way more than knocking on doors. He said, I taught you publicly and from house to house. He said all those things that he's do, done. And then he begins to tell them in verse 28, take heed therefore unto yourselves. And when he said to them in verse 27, I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. And he goes on, and we know that he goes on in his life, and he just keeps teaching and preaching until the end. Why? You say, well, Paul had an encounter with the Lord recorded in Acts chapter 9, you know, and it was dramatic and all that. Yeah, but for years and years, he continued. He continued when he was imprisoned, and, and people were actually defaming him. He, he continued when one of his main disciples, one of his a son in the faith, Timothy, was being tempted to pull back from Paul. If you don't believe that, read your Bible. Go over there to Timothy and read where he said, God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testament of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. And it goes on, that's 2 Timothy 1. I would, I would encourage you to memorize that. that memorizing that, was about in uh, probably 1975 I memorized that. And there was a fellow, praise the Lord, that frequently, at least once a week, he'd say, hey, this would be a good verse to memorize. And I'd get carry three by five cards in my pocket and, uh, and I would write those verses on a three by five card. And while I was working at night and going to school in the day, I mean, night, like all night, we'd sleep every other day, pretty much. Uh, the fellows that I worked with, all of us, staying in the dormitories, we would, I would memorize those verses. And they stick with you over and over and over and over. But they help you with the why. The why. And I frequently, several, many times a year, I'll slow down and say why. For example, I'm making this recording. And then we, you know, convert it and upload it. And we pay the subscription to be able to upload it every month. And frequently, I'll say, okay, Lord, why am I making the recordings? Why am I paying the, the bill? Why? Not that I don't want to, you see, but I'll tell you the truth. I don't need to do it to feel fulfilled as a Christian. You know, some of y'all, and, and maybe this only will apply to, maybe if you have a Sunday school class or you're a preacher, you know, or teacher of the Bible, but some of y'all would lose most of your identity if that went away. And I would say to you, then you need to rethink why you're doing it. And I've taught this for years, and I've had so many men and women tell me it helped them. And it, whether you're male or female, this will help you. But if you think of your life as a building, 1 Corinthians 3, where Paul say that, said the foundation was laid, and then a wise master builder, and then each person builds thereon, the foundation of your life is being a Christian man and woman. And that includes 
of what every pastor should be doing and every missionary and every Bible teacher and every Sunday school teacher, 99% of your life is bound up in the fact that you're a Christian person. You're a Christian man, a Christian woman. But I have found that one of the great dangers is for people to get into the frame of mind where most of their Bible reading, most of their studying, most of their outlining is all about the next thing to say and the next thing and impressing somebody and getting another meeting. And somebody, pastors are in such a great danger of this as Gentiles and Japhethites. It's always, well, the next step if you're really being a great pastor is somebody will invite you to come to their church and preach. What if they never do? What if God gave your congregation the blessing that you just stay your self home and pastor those people and love on them and shepherd them and pray over them? You're no less successful. You might be less successful by getting distracted and traveling all over the place. I said, I didn't say it's wrong to do it, but I'm just telling you, I've observed it. I've been around long enough and observed it, been through enough that it's okay for me to say this. And I'm saying to you, why do you do? Why do you read your Bible every day? Why do you, uh, why do you write notes on a piece of paper and go, man, that's a great thought? Why are you doing it to have an outline? If you're outlines and preaching, and I, you might not agree with me, that's fine. But I am allowed to have an opinion too. If your outlines and your preaching are not the the outflowing of your Christian life, you are shortchanging God and the people, and yourself, and it's almost a counterfeit. Because it is supposed to be who you are walking with God. And if you will absorb your New Testament, you'll see that. If you'll absorb your Old Testament. And so sometimes, I think it's great to say, why? Why? It could be, it could be anything you do. Uh, in, I, I've taught people for years and say time management and what you do, always ask yourself why. I know you've heard this, the old illustration where it's uh, Thanksgiving or whatever it is, might be Christmas. And so the the daughter is over at her mother's house and the fam both families are together and daughter goes in the kitchen and her mom takes this big old ham and cuts the end off and sets it aside, puts it in the, the rest of it in a pan and sticks it in the oven. And she said, you know, I've seen you do that all my life. I always wondered why. She said, I don't know. My mother always did. So they get on the phone. And they talk to Granny. And they say to Granny, they say, hey, uh, you know, remember when you used to cut the end off the ham? Yes, honey, I do. Well, why did you do that? She said, well, honey, we never had a pan big enough to put a whole ham in. So you'd cut that part off and cook it later. <laughs> That's called tradition, man-made tradition. Now, wait, Paul mentioned tradition in a positive way in your English Bible. But there's a lot of tradition and people don't know why they do something. I had a fellow one time, he needed, asked him to do something for the church. It was very important. He really wanted to do it. He was keen to do it and he didn't do it and it had some repercussions. And so I, I said, hey, why didn't you do that? He said, I forgot. And I really think by the look on his face when I said the next question, I think he thought that would take care of it. I said, why? He said, why what? Why'd you forget? He said, um, I didn't write it down. He thought that would take care of it. I said, why? And by now he's perplexed. And he said, uh, what do you mean why? I said, why didn't you write it down? He said, I thought I'd remember. And he thought that'd be the end of it. And I said, why? 
And he looked at me and the light came on. He goes, I get it. He said, why did I think I'd remember? He said, most of us remember something about 10 minutes after it was supposed to happen. You know, you pull in the driveway and then you remember that the wife asked you to get milk <laughs> on the way home, okay, or something. You get me? You see, after studying effective people, you know what I figured out? They write it down. I know all y'all using your digital stuff, that's fine. And I know how to use it. I know how to make lists on my phone and set alarms and all that. I know how to do it. But I know in the Bible, God wrote stuff down. And he gave it the way, the simplest way to make sure it doesn't fall through the cracks. Write it down and keep your notepad in your back pocket or in your coat pocket with you at all times. And I'm talking about people that are making way more than six figures. That's what they do. And if you find somebody that doesn't do that, they got somebody that they're paying to do for them. Now, here's my point. Why? Why? Why did Paul do this? Why, for 2,000 years, have men... Come to 2 Timothy chapter 2 for a minute. Actually, come to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians 4. 1 Corinthians 4. Why? Why? I sit down frequently. Uh, when I look at the receipt that says, you know, you've been billed for putting this on, Sermon Audio, I look at the bill. And I say to myself, okay, I don't mind doing that. But why? Is it because I feel like I've got to feel like I'm doing something? No, no. I, can, I would be just as fulfilled as a Christian if God said don't do that. Now wait, you said, woe unto him if I preach not the gospel. That's preaching the gospel. That's not making recordings or anything else. It, the method, uh, you tr somebody traveling around, somebody holding meetings, somebody doing this and that, the method is not supposed to be what helps us to know the why. That method may change. Paul went to prison. We ended up with the prison epistles. He had a limited ministry for a while, ended up having stuff in writing that have gone has been distributed for 2,000 years. We don't know what God's doing. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Okay? And these are, these are the mysteries of God. Now, I thank God for the men God put in my life to learn the Bible from, but I'm going to tell you something right now especially if you're within the sound of my voice and you've sat under some of those more well-known and well-established men of God who've gone on to be with the Lord. They are not God. They are not the Word of God. They're a voice. They communicated stuff to us and praise the Lord, but they, what they said is not the Word of God. What they said about the mysteries of God. There are people I know that can list off seven mysteries. Boom, 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 boom. They can get up, parrot back, dock stuff. There's no, no life there. They think there's life because someone says, oh, that's amazing. I didn't know that was in the Bible. Okay, what have you gotten from God lately? Not something fantastic, something just simple and pure. And so my, my point is, why? Would you stop? It's a weekend. It's Friday. You're coming up on you know Sunday morning, Sunday evening, all that. Sunday school, classes, discipling. Why? Why do you do what you do? And the first thing that comes to my mind 
about why, for example, why am I sitting here recording? Why am I putting it out on there? Why am I paying that? Why am I doing that? The, my first thought is this, stewardship of a gift. So I would say this to you, are you being a good steward of what God gifted you to do in the body of Christ? Now hold on. It's not always being a Martha, although Martha's, you know, the doing things for people helps. When there's a funeral and they need food for the thing, that's a good thing. When they need something cleaned up or organized, that's a great thing. But a gift from God. Uh, God might be trying to give some of you the gift of compassion. But he's having a hard time getting it through that old selfish, stony heart. He might be trying to give you the gift of wisdom. But you keep leaning to your own understanding, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Because in verse 2 it says, Moreover, in, it is required in stewards that a man be found, what? Faithful. Now read on. But, it, it, but with me it's a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yeah, I judge not my own self. For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. It's not up to me to figure out if I'm okay. i got to leave that with God. Therefore, verse 5, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsel of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. And then he goes on to show you something. And he, these things, brethren... I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that you might learn to, in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. And in my lifetime, I've watched this amongst pastors and Bible teachers and stuff, and people ha are contentious about what a man taught. And they've made what that man taught equal to what the Bible teaches. And they want to debate and argue and cross, cross swords. That means they're not busy with the true work of God. Verse 7, Who maketh thee to differ from another? What hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst not receive it, now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? You see, <clears throat> if you know anything or able to transfer anything to anybody, I'm talking about male or female. We were just speaking yesterday, talking about Titus chapter 2. You women who are listening, go to Titus chapter 2 this weekend and read it. And read the part about the aged women, what they're supposed to be doing. It's a big load. It, it's your calling. It's your stewardship. If you're 50, 60, 70 years old, you have a stewardship. Your life isn't supposed to be sitting around being grumpy and complaining and dominating. It's supposed to be teaching humility and quietness, and helping those younger women. In the age we live in, the motto is, well-behaved women seldom make history. Well, is that not contrary to your, that book or what? In the age we live in, families are dominated matriarchally, in other words, by the mother or grandmother or great-grandmother, and they're not supposed to be. And the great philosophy is, well, the man won't stand up and be counted. They might, if it didn't mean it was going to tear up everything because of the resistance. Here's my point, lest I digress. Stewardship of a gift, why? Why now? Why do we do these things? You see, for me, I'd rather not do what I'm doing right now if it's not a God. I really would, I'd rather not do it. 
You say, well, don't you have to do it to be fulfilled? You know, woe is me if I preach. No, I'll just talk to somebody about the gospel. I'll put it out. I'll pray, pray and all that. I don't have to do this. And if you don't get free of the fact that that's your identity. Listen, I've seen men who God put them into a situation where he just, he just said, no, you're not going to preach for a while. Just live your Christian life. And they stumbled and fell. They, didn't, they hadn't been reading their Bible for themselves. They hadn't been studying the Bible for themselves. I pity the man who's been called to preach and teach who doesn't study the Bible for himself, who's constantly studying to get an outline, constantly reading it, listen to other stuff, always in a hurry to get to the next thing. That's why so many fellows cannot open the Bible and preach and teach from it. Because they're not full of that book. They're looking at the next thing and the next thing. If that's what you're doing, maybe, 99%, I believe, you're too busy. And you're not approaching it right. This book has sustained me, as the song, the hymn Amazing Grace says, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. This book. This book means what it means to me because of what it's done for me and what I see it do in others. What in a conversation you can bring up a verse or bring up a truth and see it help people. And I would say to you this morning, why? One of them is stewardship of a gift. Do you know what God's given, gifted you at doing? And wait a minute, have you done anything with it? Have you developed that gift? That gift? Have you sharpened that gift? Have you spent time on that gift? Spiritual gift. It always translates into some practical thing. I get that. And we'll talk about it. But why? Sowing the seed is the next one we'll talk about. Because our life is a seed. Our words are a seed. But for today, I'm going to stop right there on stewardship of a gift. How about spend the weekend and say, why? And if God leads, I'll put some more of these up this weekend. I'll, I'll take time to record them. I don't know who listens. Uh, in this particular format, you, do, you get almost, well, you get, no, I don't get any feedback, which is okay. But I do know this. I got word this week that one of the old men of God went, on to, went home to be with the Lord. He's been around forever. And I remember someone giving me a tape, another old man of God gave me a tape, who's going to be with the Lord, and said, you might want to listen to this. And I still remember where I was at. I was on the road traveling, staying, staying a couple nights in a, a little, like a basement apartment of, the, of this family in, the, in a church. And I remember, I had a little tiny tape recorder back in those days, it was cassette tapes. I remember listening to that tape. And it changed my life about prayer. Honestly, the message didn't. The scripture did that he used. It was called, Thy vows are upon me. It was about prayer. Now, I could never be the prayer warrior that old man of God was. I, I'm not going to set out to be. I, he, it, he was amazing. But so much of it wore off on me that it's affected every day of my life since. 
And that was pre, that was about 1983, 84, but it has literally affected every day of my life since. Literally, I'm not exaggerating. I don't know that they're great messages, to be honest with you. I don't believe there's any great messages, like great sermons. What I do believe is there's some great truths and that a great message will communicate to, to a person a great truth. And when they get that great truth, that will last them. That message, I don't remember everything he said. I don't remember most of it. But I wrote down a couple of those texts. And they have been a powerful anchor for me. And also a motive, a why. They're my why. Thy vows are upon me. So I pray today that you'll give this thought this weekend. If you went to the trouble, listen to this, look up some of these verses extra. I, I pray that you will. And we're going to look at why. Why? And, and these don't have to be yours. But these are things that, and I've, I've written down why <laughs> hundreds of times. Hundreds of times in the last 40 years. Hundreds. But I would say this to you. It's always been a help to do it, to refresh, remind, and to sharpen the sword and to sharpen priorities and the sharpest focus. And the first one this, this time around is stewardship of a gift. I'm trying to be a good steward of a gift God's given me. I'm talking to you today. And I pray you'll take some time this weekend to ask the Lord, Lord, what is, what is the gift? It, what is the seed gift you've given me that I should do something with? What is something that I could be sharper at and better at? stewardship of a gift. God will apply it. Father, I pray you'd use these words this weekend, and I pray you'd help somebody with it. I ask thee in Jesus' name. Amen.